Welcome to the Chips Money Tips podcast. I'm Chip Chennery. Poker champ Jamie Gold sets the record straight about his 2006 main event investor, needing bodyguards, rumors that he's broke, collusion in poker, and much more. It's only four dollars every five minutes. With my mind on my money and my money on my mind. Brother, can you spare a dime? Jamie Gold is a guy who amassed a fortune the old-fashioned way, gambling. He plunked down $10,000 and ended up the champion of the 2006 World Series of Poker main event. It was the largest prize the main event has ever awarded. I caught up with him on a break from a high-stakes midweek home poker game in Hollywood. How many people did you uh, beat in that tournament? Uh, there were uh, 8,772. I was the uh, 8,773rd player in that tournament. <laughs> nice. And you took down how much for that one? $12 million. That's a cool $12 million. I like that. So yeah. thinking about this, if, if, you, uh, if you worked 40 years of your life and you made twenty five grand a year, that's a million. So you did like 12 times that in, what, 10 days, something like that? Yeah, we played uh, – it was a little different structure back then. We were playing 15 hours a day, 10 days straight. And then the final day uh, – I'm sorry, there was one day in between that we had a day off. But, but we played it straight through. There was no November 9, and there was no break every three days. And we didn't quit after 10 hours. And, um, you know, it was just <laughs> a completely different – it was more of a, a marathon. You know, it's not – they're two different skills. It's, but it, it takes a different skill set now, I believe – to win it than it did back then. Um, and it's just different. You know? Right. Now I see when we're, I remember watching the, the World Series of Poker broadcasts back then, and it seemed to me that you were playing a very creative game, as they call it. Would you agree with that you were doing this before the kids of today are doing it? Or is that just well, the way it always was? No, I, uh, you know, I, I definitely was aware that I was not the best player in the game, um, <laughs> but I thought that I had a certain kind of style. I was very fortunate. I, I, I had been an agent for uh, actors and writers at the time, and I saw the boom of poker coming. Um, you know, before Chris Moneymaker was on television, I, I had a sense that poker players were going to become celebrities. And right. so I thought the only way that I could get the greatest education, which I believed would come from my favorite player at the time was Johnny Chan, because I had mm-hmm. seen rounders and that really got me. Um, and I had also seen uh, Chris Ferguson around the card clubs. And, you know, right. I had a bit of money and I was, I was fortunate. I had, you know, a successful career. And so I could actually afford to step into some of these games with these guys. Not, I was not at their level by any means, but I could afford it. And right. so, you know, I realized they were so far and above my level of play I thought, what was something that I could offer them that would then get them to teach me everything I wanted to know about being the best poker player that I could be? So I offered Johnny Chan and Chris Moneymaker right after he won um, to represent them. And so uh-huh. I sold a book deal, a TV deal for Johnny. And, you know, and, so, and I said, in exchange, you're going to help me become the best poker player I can possibly be. Um, so Learning from a two-time champ, Jim, uh, Johnny Chan. Yeah, yeah and, and, and he, he didn't actually help me 
directly as much as I would have loved, but he allowed me to hang around and watch him and be inspired by him. And what I realized was that the style of the best players in the world and what everyone else was emulating was to, you know, be extremely quiet and stoic at the table. And I mm-hmm. thought, you know what? Poker's a, a, such a social game and such a psychological game that there are so many aspects of the potential ways that you could take advantage of players and the way that, that people were uh, playing at the time that I developed a style that, that I don't believe anybody had ever you know, uh, used before, at least from what I'm told by people like Doyle Brunson, Barry Greenstein said that nobody had ever seen anything like this before. And so I felt like I had mastered a certain style. I was definitely still not the greatest poker player, but I could talk people in and out of their hands. And I decided that for that World Series, I was going to use the truth. And nobody had ever, you know, poker players don't tell the truth in general. And I said, what if I actually told the truth just about every single time I was in a hand? Nobody would ever believe me. So I would tell them, listen, I have a full house. You should fold. And they would call and I'd say, I have a full house. I don't know what's going on. I'd tell them I'm bluffing. I have absolutely nothing. You need to call me. They'd fold and I'd say, I told you I had absolutely nothing. Well, who's going to believe a poker player? Now, the beautiful thing is, Back then, they weren't really reporting that much on the Internet, and there were no hole cards or anything like that until you got down near the final. So I rolled the whole way through. Nobody really knew what I was doing except for Mm -hmm. people who were actually sitting on the side, like people like Doyle Brunson who said, I've never seen anything like this before, (laughs) and you're going to wipe this thing out. And that's what Johnny Chan had said that. He inspired me. I wasn't. I didn't even think I was ready to play, but I, I started winning, and I didn't know how special this was. Around the local card clubs here in L.A., the Hustler, the Bike, the Commerce, those kind of places, I was winning on average one tournament a week. Now it wow. doesn't sound. It sounds like a big deal, but if you play poker, you realize it, to come in first place, even in these and they're small tournaments. There were like three to five hundred people, but even winning a three to five hundred person tournament once a week. I won like mm-hmm. 11 in the span of six months. Wow. Now, was that you trying out the style for the first time at these tournaments? Hello? Did we lose you? I think we lost you. I'm going to try you again. Where were That's we? All right. We were just talking about how you had played for about six months down to the clubs in Los Angeles, and you, cl- you won how many? Like 11 tournaments? 11, 11 tournaments tournament? in the span of six months. Um, uh-huh. But at, at one time, I was winning one a week. And it, and it really felt like, wow, and that's when Johnny inspired me. And he said, listen, you're not going to go and win the World Series of Poker. You're going to go and wipe it out. And he called it every day. He said, I, he said you're going to be the chip leader from, from the beginning to the end unless something really weird happens. And he was right. I was in the top wow. ten in day one. I was in the top ten in day two. Day three on, I was massive chip leader. Nobody ever came close after that. And all from this style. And it was from this style, okay. Because I remember seeing the broadcast, and I think it was like three three weeks of broadcasting. It was a Jamie Gold at the top, and the, we didn't have any footage of Jamie Gold. It took a while for them to find you in the broadcast yeah. world. It was like, who's this guy? What? He's got all these chips. It was, so this you know, was the style that you took on, huh? Yeah, it was, it was something that it, it was a once-in-a-lifetime situation. Obviously, you could never really work it again because once people know, you know what you're doing, it doesn't work as well. Now, in cash games... I still work it, you know, and my friends get a kick out of it that I can still talk people in. Because, you know, and now I've, I've come up with new 
ways of talking people in and out of their hands. And, and, and I find it fun. I find that part of the game. I don't think the game is all about the two cards in your hand and that simple, you know, bluffing and betting and what have you. I think the game is a truly psychological competition that you should be allowed to speak. And so this, this crazy rule that they have that you're not allowed to speak about your hand, I think is insane. Um, right. As a lot of other people, like Danny Negrano, has been very uh, vocal about it, talking about how silly it is that you should, if you're playing heads up, you should be able to flip over both of your cards. Why not? What is the right. difference? And they say that the excuse is that they don't want people colluding. Guess what? There is so much collusion going on. When people are not saying anything, I'd love for people to do it outwardly so we can catch them. Oh, if, yeah. we, if we purposely outwardly speak and collude, you'll catch us. But you know what? I know play players who played in teams of people because I've been invited to be on those teams, and I think it's disgusting. And, really? You know, absolutely, people have invited me to be, hey, you want to be a part of it? No, I don't want to be a part of it. So I'm not going to out them. I'm not going to tell anybody who they are, but it right. disgusts me that, that, you know, at one moment I got a bad rap, you know, for people thinking that I did something wrong in poker when actually – you know, some of the people who everybody reveres are colluding. They're all playing in teams because they're cutting down their variance. Um, and I understand why they're doing it, but it's wrong, and it's a form of cheating, and I really don't like it. And and some people have gotten caught. There have been some, you know, famous people who've been caught, you know, dumping chips to each other. And I've never done anything like that. Yes, I've played soft against my friends because I didn't want them right. to bust out when I was getting down to the end. It was also my right. first main event. I'd never, you know, I wouldn't do that again. I made mistakes. I apologized for them. I, I thought that what I was doing was okay because where I was playing in L.A. at the card clubs, you were allowed to do that. You were allowed to speak. You were allowed to flip over cards. You were, you know, we commonly would, if, if our friends were going to make the final table and I had a ton of chips and they didn't, I wouldn't dump them, but I would soft play on them. I wouldn't try to bust them. So it's a natural, common thing, but it was not colluding. Right. Where these guys are outwardly colluding and dumping chips to each other, and you know it, it's really bothersome. But um, you, you I'm sure that's not what, what you wanted to talk about. No, I think this is very interesting because I really didn't even think about this. So you're saying that, like the World Series of Poker right now, there might be tables where buddies are in a, a table together and they're going to just dump chips to each other, or, or well, how about this? I, I don't know about this year, but in the uh. years past. 100% there were more than several teams of people who were playing together. I can't say for sure that they dumped to each other, but when you're playing on the same bankroll and you're, you know, strategizing the night before together and when one guy wins, everybody else cashes in, you know, they all have pieces of each other. Right. You know, I'm not saying that they did, but, but I also know that other people have been caught doing it. So you would think that that might have happened at some point or another. I, you know, again, I'm not the policeman and I'm not, you know, there to out anybody and I'm not going to name any names, you know, sure. because people trusted me enough to come to me, you know, but I'm not going to out them, but I'm never going to be a part of something like that. So, you know, the big scandal with me was that people thought that someone backed me, which is not true. People thought I didn't pay somebody, which is not true. 
you know, it when I want, yeah, when, when I, it's event. an interesting story, but I, I didn't want to talk about it at the time because my dad was dying. He had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and, and I was being accused of all these crazy things that were not even close to what was happening, but I didn't feel like arguing about it. And the people who were accusing me used it as, because it was such a famous media win when I won. It was the, you know, right. it, was the, it was the perfect storm. It was the most publicized, the most uh, covered you know, not because of me. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. It was the biggest tournament of all time, and they gave it a, a ton of worldwide coverage. And so at the end of it, somebody claimed, and a lot of other people jumped on the bandwagon, that, wow, this guy can't just be a nice, kind, generous guy. There must be something wrong. And so they, they made up this story that I wasn't paying somebody. And I know where it came from. It was based in some, you know, things that happened that you could draw that conclusion from. So I don't blame anybody who believed the rumors. But they say, well, Jamie's not arguing it. It must be right. Well, guess what? My dad could have had a few days to live. There was no way that I was going to waste the last few days of my dad's life flying to California to argue on television my side of the story. I said, the truth will come out. And, you know, eventually it did. But the problem is all the people who apologized to me, all the journalists who wrote false stories, and then when, when they write retractions, which every one of them did, nobody reads the retraction. They only remember the, the accusation. Right. So here's and here's so the, for, the story in a nutshell. If you you want me to so for the yeah yeah if you could tell us because the folks yeah. at home may not even know what which tournament it was all that good stuff. Absolutely. So it, it was when I won the twelve million. Leading up to the win, I had uh, promised someone not who backed me. People say you didn't. Is that the guy who didn't pay his backer? I wasn't backed. If <laughs> if you can do the math, I was actually wearing Bodog from day one. It wasn't the days where now everybody who can get their hands on a Poker Star sticker puts it on to pretend that they're sponsored so that they look more important. Right. Six years ago, nobody wore a brand if they were not sponsored by that brand. I was actually playing for Bodog. I was part of the Hollywood poker team for Bodog, which I was the only non-celebrity on the team. I was an agent at the time, and I was well-known in Hollywood, but I was known as the best player in L.A. And Johnny Chan convinced Bodog, he's the only guy in Hollywood that could actually win the World Series of Poker. Why are you buying in all these actors? This kid's going to win the whole thing. And, you know, he was right, but I, I didn't. I said, I, I don't know if they should buy me in or not, but they wanted to buy me in. And then they said, and then it turned out, they said, well, one of the reasons we bought you in is because you have all these great connections to movie stars. Could you please ask your clients? You know, at the time I was representing some very famous people. And so could you ask your clients to come play on our Bulldog team? And I asked a lot of them, and none of them wanted to play. So I had a friend who claimed that he could get – uh, Matthew McConaughey and Matthew Perry to play for the Bodog team. And they said, well, if he does that, we'll even give him a buy-in. So the kid's really excited. You know, we were friendly, and he didn't come through. But he did come through with, at the time, the, the guy who played Scooby-Doo, Matthew Lillard, who right. was, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a successful actor, but he wasn't successful enough for Bodog in their eyes for whatever reason at the time. And Dak uh -huh. Shepard, who's now a movie star, but at the time had only done Jackass and a few episodes. Nobody knew who he was. So they, Bodog right. said, no, thank you. We'll give, we'll give you know, Matthew Lillard a buy-in, but well, that's it. And we're not giving your friend a buy-in because he didn't come through. Well, he put up such a stink and got crazy and started freaking out and, like, at the point where he was losing his mind. And finally, like, just to shut him up, I said, listen, you did me a favor. You did it in good faith. I'll split what I win with you, okay? Is, will that make you happy? He's like, oh, yeah. You know, Johnny Chan says you're going to win the whole thing. I, I can make $6 million. I said, all right, done. 
stop complaining, stop crying, stop being a baby about it, just leave me alone, I'll let me go in, because he was, he was up my butt from day one, saying, oh, you made it to day two, could I get an advance, you know, he was broke, and oh, so, yeah. and I said, well, if you don't leave me alone, you know, you're not getting anything, just leave me the hell alone, so finally, the night before I'm about to, you know, go to the final table and try to win the thing, you know, you could imagine that it was, it was, it wasn't like it is now, it was every newspaper, every news organization, everybody was talking about this, and wanted interviews, and I didn't have a lot of people working with me at that time, so all I had was, um, you know, my family and friends, and so they were trying to keep everybody away from me. And finally, we actually had to hire bodyguards because people were threatening me, saying that they, I had such a big chip lead that they thought that if, there, if somebody could kind of like stick me in the bathroom or something like that, that I couldn't play the final day, then that right. 12 million would be split up between everybody else. It's not such a bad plan. So yeah. ESPN yeah. told me there, there are credible threats against you. You better get some bodyguards. People thought I was so full of myself that I wanted to look cool and get bodyguards and, I mean, it's amazing how people create these stories. Yeah, I really was dying to have bodyguards in Las Vegas because I'm so important with money that I haven't won yet. So this guy starts harassing me the night before because you're guaranteed a million dollars just making the final table, right? right? So he said, half that million dollars is mine. I want the money now. You got to go. I said, that's not how it works. Relax. And so I left him what people are calling the infamous voicemail. It's not an infamous voicemail. It was a very purposeful voicemail. And people say that's the only reason you ended up paying him. No. I was always going to pay him, just like I said on the voicemail. And if you look at it or the transcript or listen to it, it said it read like this. Hey, asshole, I'm about to, I'm about to go play tomorrow. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're asking me for an advance on the money that I haven't won yet? What is wrong with you? I, not only can I not stand you, but we're obviously not friends. You're going to get your money. Just leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. You're a horrible human being. You haven't left me alone the whole time. You're starting to threaten me. He started threatening me, saying, I'm going to sue you. What are you suing me for? I haven't won anything yet. Leave me the hell alone. Like, he just turned into an evil human being. I didn't know him that well, but I was a little too kind and generous to people in my lifetime. And so... I allowed this guy in my life, and then I regretted it. Yeah. I said, you're going to get your money. Leave me alone. And then, of course, you know, all the whatever you want to call the haters said, oh, he left that voicemail. I bet he regretted that. No. I, gave, I shook someone's hand. I told him I was going to split it with him. I was always going to split it with him. Next thing you know, I win the World Series of Poker, and he says, where's my money? I said, listen, jackass, <laughs> you're going to get your money. Has anybody ever left a dollar in the cage for a day after they win a poker tournament. Never, right? I right. left it in there for two weeks. There's a reason I did that. I wanted to figure out how to properly split it so that I didn't get hit for his taxes and my taxes. You know what I mean? Because so I, yeah. I paid right away, I paid $6 million in taxes. So now i got to split $6 million with him. And I said, listen, obviously I'm going to get a rebate on that. I think I, I gave him about $4 million, which was more than I had to give him. I could have given him nothing. It was all a gift. I think I wrote him a check for about $4 million, told me to go screw myself. Because he said, I'm from the U.K., and in the U.K., we don't pay taxes on gambling earnings. I said, try earning a gambling win, and then don't go pay taxes on it. I want it. I'm getting taxed on it. And you're just such a greedy jerk-off. I can't stand you. I don't even know why I'm giving you this money. My mother started threatening me, saying, don't you dare, because she was around saying, this is the most evil guy. He's obviously a terrible human being. Why would you give him a dollar? Because I shook his hand and said that I would. So I'm going to honor that. So, so he, instantly he sues me. He said, I'm going to make you look bad. I said, great, then I'm going to jerk you around. 
I'll give you the money when I feel like giving you the money. So the law, this lawsuit never went to court. We ended up going, you know, our first time in front of a, uh, a judge. The judge looked at him and said, you really are going to try to sue this guy who's offered you $4 million more than he had to offer you a dollar? What do you think you're going to win by suing him? I thought I could get the whole $6 million, and then he would have to pay taxes. He would just have to give up his $6 million. He would get nothing because he didn't talk, treat me properly during the process. I'm like, who treated who anyone? What do I have to do anything other than give you half the money, which you did nothing for, which all you did was become a jerk the whole time, and this is what I get? Thanks from it? And then you sue me? Screw you. You're lucky you're getting anything. So needless to say, we made a settlement. Was it exactly what he was supposed to get? I'm not allowed to say the exact number, but if you know my, my style, I did the right thing, but I might have, you know, it might have cost me attorney fees and things like that. You know, we can't see whether or not I made him pay for all that. I'm not allowed to say because it's a, it's a closed judgment, but you can just take a guess at what the actual number was that he actually ended up getting for being such an asshole. <laughs> and I don't mind using that language because this is just one of the most evil people I've ever met that, that just thought that that was okay to, to sue me, make me look bad when all I did was go win a poker tournament and then be extremely generous by honoring, you know, a, a word that I gave to somebody. And then I turned out 50-50 people are calling me the guy who didn't honor his word, which all I've ever yeah. done has been kind and generous to everybody I've ever met. And I'm now known by some people in the world as, oh, that guy who cheated his backer. First of all, I didn't have a backer. You know, it's just so amazing how, you know, how the rumors go flying. So they said, oh, that guy put up 10000 Jamie won, didn't want to give him the money. Oh, please. Like, you know, it's just amazing. So that was the whole big story. The guy was, it's true, in the UK, you don't have to pay taxes, but that's great. He didn't win. I did. And if you were my backer, he wanted me to lie and say that he was my backer. I wouldn't lie to the, to the government. So I'm sorry that I didn't lie to cover his butt, that he wouldn't just take the $4 million. You know, that wasn't good enough for a broke guy. He wanted all $6 million. He wanted me to pay all the taxes out of my $6 million. I should get nothing because he did what? Nothing. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, Jamie, you ripped him off of $2 million that he definitely had cut coming. Uh-huh. What the hell is his problem? Jeez. I mean, so you could imagine, and that, because I wouldn't argue about it, because my dad, my dad actually ended up living six months. The, the, the diagnosis is a maximum two to two and a half years. My dad ended up living almost five. So his last, you know, we, we didn't know day to day he was going to live. So he ended up living six months, and right after he passed was when I settled and said, okay, you know, I, I won't do this anymore, but I refused to even deal with him or meet with him or talk to him, do anything while my dad was, I said, I offered you the $4 million, you didn't want it, now go screw yourself. I'll give it to you whenever I feel like giving it to you. So the day right after my dad died, I said, now I'll talk to you and the media, anybody we want, but I'm so glad, I, w- I would regret it so much if I wasted 10 seconds on that jackass um, when my oh, dad geez. was dying. Yeah. So that's the whole big story. And, you know, I've never really told it. I've told it a few times in interviews lately, but at some mm-hmm. point we're going to do, you know, Bluff Magazine asked me if I do a big cover story about it. And so I'm, I'm going to figure out what the best way is to finally, you know, for all the little scamps that, you know, haven't left their mother's basement in 30 years, um, that still <laughs> write about me on the Internet and think they know what they're talking about. Yeah, the bad guy in poker. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to get you to talk about it here. This is great. I love I love hearing the story. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, and it's, it's you know it's it's got to be good you know uh, fodder for your for your podcast because it's not something yeah. that's commonly you know uh, that's commonly known. If, if you sit down, you know, my friends go to.
and always tell me, Jamie, you'd be amazed at how many people are still talking about it and they argue about it. And that when we tell them, have you ever met him before? No. Do you really know what you're talking about? No. So then shut up. You know, what are you yeah. babbling about somebody you've never met before? I know him. I'm his yeah, friend. I went through out. with him. Yeah. You cut out for a second there. You said your friends, you meet your friends at a, you say a bar? No, no, no. My friends who every time they go play in a poker game, it seems like my name comes up, not by them bringing it up, by other people just yeah. arguing and pretending that they know what they're talking about. And my friends say, you know what? Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. All he ever did was be kind and generous. You can call him an unbelievably generous, kind idiot for allowing these assholes in his life, but that's about it. That's the only thing I did wrong was allow really bad people in my life. Well, it's, uh, I'm glad you, you filled us in here. Um, now, let me ask you this. What do you do with 600 or $6 million? What, you don't go... Well, you only, you only get half of it. Okay. Right. At the end of the day, you, don't have, you get about a half of it. Right. You get half of it, $3 million. And then if you figure, um, I, gave, I actually gave one of my friends $1.2 million, you know, 10% just for sweating me. He was there from, with me from day one to the end. And I told him, you know what, I'll give you 10%. And I gave him the 10%. Guess what? After taxes. <laughs> he didn't ask me for the $1.2 million and sue me. And <laughs> he was so unbelievably thankful. He even told me he didn't have to give it to me. I said, I told you I would, I would. So I did. Wow. Um, I, you know, I helped out my parents. It, it took a lot, you know, from my mom, obviously, when my dad was going through that horrible disease and we wanted to make him comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so, you know, the money goes. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate. You know, I've I've uh, I've done decently in uh, in some cash games, and you know, my poker bankroll is a okay. But my life, you know, costs a lot of money to live. And so, if you can imagine, you know, I've invested in the stock market, and when you know a few years ago I lost half of my money that I had, just went right away, boom, and mutual funds was gone. And then Shearson Lehman, you know, that whole thing, I had money with, uh, you know. You know how it goes, and so I've, I've definitely made some very poor investments. Um, but it's funny how people talk about me sometimes. You know, people say, "Oh, I heard you were broke." From what? Oh, I heard you. You know, you you just can't. You're a terrible poker player. So you went broke. I said, "If I ever go broke, it will have nothing to do with poker." Okay, like I have a poker bankroll. I've been very successful in my life. I don't need. I didn't need the money that I won. Um, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't play above my means. I don't play with my rent money. Um, I right. apologize to burst your bubble, but it's funny. So what, um, you know, I've actually looked on the internet, uh, because somebody told me I had to see these stories. So the proof that this is from like four years ago that I was broke, which was great. Cause I said, you know, where are these stories coming from? I'm just so interested. Um, because I am having issues with the IRS and all kinds of other issues having nothing to do with winning or losing in poker. So I just said, how do, how do people, you know, know anything about my situation? Um, yeah, ultimately they have no clue. No. And it's so, and it's so weird that people care about your private finances, but what I know what they really mean, my poker bankroll. And no, I've never bagged my poker bankroll broken. And here's why they said that I was broke. It's awesome. I was seen playing, one night I was seen playing in a $500,000 game, and I lost. I probably lost about three hundred grand. The next day, they saw me playing in a 1-2 game. I must be broke. Now, they didn't notice that it was my mother, yeah, my mother sitting next to me and my two friends on my other side that some of my friends can't afford 
like most normal people, can't afford to play in a half a million dollar buying game. And when I go sit down at a poker table, I love playing for one. I guess if you ever see me at your game at Plager's house, I must be broke. If you play with your friends for $100, that must mean you're broke. I mean, the geniuses that came up with this story. And it would just go on and on. And all, again, I feel like some people are just socially retarded. They have never left their mother's basement. You know, they, they don't know the first thing about interacting with people. And they want to talk about people on the Internet. That's absolutely where a lot of this comes from. These two plus two forums, you know, like, they're such a joke. I think you're right. I've, I play in a lot of different home games, like the Plager game we taught where we met. And it's true. All you, every game I play in, now and then, if your name comes up, they complain about how you're broke and that you cheated. And I'm glad, so glad that you're able to, from the horse's mouth, tell what's happening <laughs> here, that things are fine and that these idiots can now get the straight story from you. And if they have a problem with it, well, I don't know what else to tell them. And if anybody did their homework, if they really cared, no real journalist has ever written a story, you know, about any of this. Is there a reason? You know what I mean? Because they would lose their job. <laughs> like, right. You know, isn't it? Doesn't it make you think? And it's amazing how people believe some kid, you know, writing about somebody on a blog, which nobody ever right. reads, and then someone picks it up because they search my name. You know, it's just so weird how our society is so. You know, convinced that I read it on the internet. It must be true. When did that happen? Yeah. You know, like, you know, and also, I don't want people to believe me. You don't have to believe me. Do your homework. It's so easy to figure it out. Yeah. Well, that's that's people. Everybody has a bullhorn. Mm -hmm. And you know, and there is. Look, a lot of my friends say, "Listen, when you, when you win something like that, there are going to be people who are going to hate you no matter what. When you're famous, when right. you're successful, people are going to be jealous." And I don't believe I'm so special that people are jealous of me, but I do believe that people who hate me for absolutely no reason, there's a little bit of jealousy in there. Like, why hate someone who just did something really cool and fun and won $12 million? Why? Because you wish yeah. it was you, maybe? <laughs> and I know a lot of people you, you, told me that. They said, well, it should have been me. Really? Why should it have been you? <laughs> why? You know, and now you hate me because it wasn't you? I mean, you know, somebody's got to win. I realized how yeah. lucky I was. I realized, you know, how good fortune I have. I, I don't, I don't speak ill about other people who weren't completely evil to me. You know, like, right. Just find something to do and with your life as opposed to talking about people on the internet. Yeah. And you now also one of the other things you're interested in your life is you have the handle of the poker philanthropist. You do a lot of charity work. Um, I do. And you it's have a favorite charity that, that makes me very, very happy. Well, I, I lately I. I can't say I have a favorite one. I mean, near and dear to my heart is the MDA ALS Association because they helped my dad the most. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, Michael J. Fox, who became a good friend. You know, I, I've worked a lot for his Parkinson's Foundation. My grandfather had Parkinson's, so I care a lot about that. My grandmother died of cancer, so I, I do a lot of money raising for, for cancer research. Um, I've been working a lot lately with the UN. Um, so, you know, there are several different... Uh, you know, agencies of the UN that I've been fortunate enough to work for. And, um, you know, my dear friend who I believe you met at Jeremy's house, uh, Kate Moulin, has gotten sure. me involved in the Global Creative Forum and the World Poker Tour Foundation. And so, you know, the Global Creative Forum is where I've spent most of my time in the last few years um, really trying to affect positive change in the world. And I just feel lucky that I'm in the position that I haven't had to work. I mean, I know I'm supposedly broke, but 
I've actually been working <laughs> no, for free. Yeah, I've heard I'm broke, but for the last five years as a broke guy, I've actually been traveling the world working for free to raise money. And then, oh, this is another great one. I don't do all this charity work to get a pat on the back from anybody. I, it's actually very selfish. I get so much satisfaction out of helping people. I do it for myself and for other people, but mainly because I get satisfaction out of feeling like I've done something good for the earth and for people on the earth. And so, What's amazing to me is when haters come up and say, oh, well, who knows how much money you've been paid by all of these charities. First of all, I've never taken $1. I've been offered, never taken $1 from any charity ever. Let me go on record. Not $1 ever have I ever been paid by any charity. So I've done 135 charity events. I've raised $175 million for charity. Not $1. You know how much money I could have made? I didn't need the money. Now, someday... I may need the money, and somebody may ask me to spend six months of my life working for a cause, and I may have to be paid expenses for that. I'm not saying I won't ever do it, because who knows what my financial situation will be five, ten years from now, but for today, I've never needed to work and make money for a charity. I do it because I care, so I apologize again for all the haters. They're going to hate this when they find out, oh my God, you mean... He really wasn't broke, and he really didn't take any money from charities, and we can't find anything. You don't have to like my face. You don't have to like my haircut. You don't have to like my personality. But cut the crap with all the things that you're trying to find, you know, negative with me. Just get a life and do something. You know, go out and play basketball instead of, you know, staring at the computer screen 24 hours a day. Just get a life. You have a tough skin these days, I bet. You know, oh, I, you know it, sometimes it comes out. I, most of the time I don't really care, but it bothers my mom. She actually reads this crap on the Internet. You know, she's got too much time on her hands, I think. And so, you know, when, when it first bothers me, when you start screwing with my mother, now I'm getting a little upset. And so, you know, they, they right. wanted to get to me. They made my mother upset. Now you've gotten to me. So what I would love is for anybody who has a problem with me, come and say it to my face. You know, I would love to, for the, all these cowards who have everything to say on the Internet, come say it to my face. It's amazing how not one person has ever come up to me and actually said it to my face. It's so odd. Like, come say it to my face. Because you know that when you're talking, it's such crap that I would just laugh at you, and anyone around me will laugh at you. So I guess make sure you find me when I'm alone, because I'll be the only one laughing at you. <laughs> you know? So I apologize that it turned out how people are going to think that I'm angry, but, you know, I have it in me to get upset with people who are just absolute assholes. I think it's energy. I see you're energetic. I, I know sometimes I get energized about something and say, dude, why are you getting so mad? Or not. You're just kind of like, ah, I can't Yeah, I'm a anymore. passionate guy, for sure. Yeah. Now, you also have freegoldpoker.com. Yes. And you donate proceeds from that to charity. And, and now, most people have heard that you're not allowed to gamble online anymore playing poker Blah, blah, blah. So how is this That is true, but uh, we, we don't charge anything. We're not like Club WPT, which sometimes people mistake, which is, you know, fine if people want to play on there. But they charge $25 a month. We charge nothing. You can come on, play at freegoldpoker.com for free. For example, this Sunday, October 7th, there will be uh, – it's called the Golden Ray J Tournament. You know, a, a lot of my friends who are – you know, famous in their own right uh, for for what they do. He's a music star and a TV star, and he asked if he can come play on the site. And we said, you know what? We're going to make a special $2,500 free roll. So anybody that wants to come and play, you just use the special code GOLD. 
because you have to have a certain number of points on my site to actually get into the tournament. But anybody can sign up now and play for free at freegoldpoker.com. And if you knock out Ray J, you get $250. If you knock me out, $250. It's 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific this Sunday night. Um, or Sunday day, and there's $2,500 added to the prize pool. So if you win, you know, you, you make 500 400 300 that kind of thing. Um, and every day there are free rolls for money. We give away $100,000 in cash and prizes every month. Very proud of the site. We do donate a percentage uh, every month of every dollar we make in ad revenue is how we get, you know, how we raise this $100,000 a month is we get ad revenue. But soon – I'm going to be giving away seats to the main event. I'm going to be giving away much bigger, better prizes. The more people that come and play, the bigger and better prizes that we give. Um, so I'm very proud of this, and I think that this is absolutely, you know, a great competitor to someone like Zynga, Facebook. If anybody who's playing for free on the Internet, why not come play with me also where you can actually win money? You know, you play on Zynga, you can't win anything. So come play with me where you can win up to $100,000 in cash and prizes every month. And it's really fun, and you'll see all your favorite celebrities. A lot of my friends are going to be coming and playing on there, and I really, really love it. Excellent. Well, hey, Jamie, I know you've got a bunch of guys sitting at a table waiting for you to Absolutely. And if so, anybody uh, wants to hear me rant or any of my you know, bullshit, I'm, uh, I'm at Real Jamie Gold on Twitter, which I promised you know, some people who work very hard for me that I would start getting on Twitter a lot more. So um, they've just verified me, so I guess I'm actually real now on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it means that I'm actually me. And so as opposed to Facebook, don't, you know, there's, there's one fan page, which is me, but the rest of them, they're all fakes, 92 fakes. Don't bother trying to get me on Facebook <laughs> unless you go to the official Jamie Gold fan page is what I'm supposed to be promoting now. So, um, but otherwise, right. you can find me on Twitter at Real Jamie Gold. Sounds good, and I'll let you know when this is up, and you can tell your fans. And, Absolutely, uh, I'll, I'll tweet on. about it. So there you go, folks, straight from the horse's mouth. Now, if you're a person who likes free money, uh, I can't get you $12 million, but how about 250 bucks? Check out the front page of ChipsMoneyTips.com. In the upper right-hand corner, you can click on buttons labeled Cash and Prizes with Cards, as well as Chip's Favorite Credit Cards. I'm especially fond of the Chase Inc. Bold Charge Card, which will give you $250 for just one purchase. You can read about it and apply right there, and if you use my referral link on my site, I get credit for it, which helps support Chip's Money Tips so I can keep the ones and zeros flying around cyberspace, bringing you great deals and interviews like this one with Jamie. Subscribing is free. Thanks for listening.